Get the full bonfire experience on your screen. YouTube.com slash bonfire sports. Thumbs up, subscribe. You'll know when we're live. Enjoy the games. I don't know how you feel about it, Chris Walby, but this is my favorite time of the year. The weather is a little bit more crisp. Labor Day Classic, Banjo Bowl, NFL football kicks off. It's a football lover's time of year. How are you, sir? Are you looking forward to the 18th annual Banjo Bowl this weekend? Yeah, and I thought it was funny that I was listening to the guys out in Saskatchewan. They're trying to, some guys are trying to change it. They're trying to downplay the Banjo Bowl and just call it the Labor Day Classic. Uh, you know, forget it. It's banjo bowl. Look at Troy Wilson created this for a reason. It, it brought a lot of attention. They have a banjo that they give out to the winning team. So yeah. come on, man, let it it's be banjo, as man. it is. Great job yeah. by Troy to name that. And uh, I don't care what the naysayers say it's going to stick because I, I will call it nothing less than the banjo bowl. So they can go and put that where the sun don't shine. Hello. Uh, I was actually reading uh, last night. I didn't know this. I didn't actually know this. Like, yes. Troy Westwood named the game by, you know, the banjo plucking inbred comment and, and all yeah. the rest, and then doubling down the following week and that becoming the banjo bowl in Winnipeg following the Labor Day Classic. But it was uh, Blue Bombers Hall of Famer builder uh, and longtime executive David Asper who coined the term banjo bowl and marketed it as such. Beautiful trophy. Uh, that uh, players yeah. love to, you know, grab and strum and, and, and you know, play with uh, and, and pose with after the game and that sort of thing. Chris, the Banjo Bowl was named after your time, but you played in those rematch games with the Riders, didn't you? Oh, absolutely. We all, you know, that's the thing. I think the league has done one thing right, and that is when you get the Western opponents like Saskatchewan and Winnipeg, you play them back-to-back in, this, you know, in the fall. And, uh, and I think it's great that the fans are going to get to see Saskatchewan again out here and I think in a couple of weeks. So uh, if you love watching the rivalry between Bombers and Saskatchewan, you're getting a good share of it now with last week's close nail biter. And uh, this one tomorrow at the Banjo Bowl. And then of course, in two weeks again at home against Saskatchewan. So a lot of green and uh, the blue going at it for a while, but uh, yeah, you can't, you got to love it. I mean, I thought the Bombers are very fortunate, but they just find a way to do it every time DB. They, you know, the great, uh, you know, that Hickson kid who I really like, Frankie Hickson, the running mm-hmm. back for uh, Saskatchewan. Obviously, Willie Jefferson, you know, the pressure he gets on Cody Pajaro forces that little high off Hickson's hand. Boom, right into Nick Hallett with his first t- interception. So that's a fantastic way to end the game. And they ran it out. Um, you know, you'd like that other kid, Dakota Prokup. He took off and he got a huge run just before the end of the first half that led to a field goal to tie the mm-hmm. game at seven. Think about it. Sketch was up 14, nothing. And I was watching the game and I'm thinking, Oh, oh this is going to be an ugly game. You never know what's going to happen. Right. And uh, the bombers find a way to claw back in it. And uh, they just get things done. I mean, again, and we've talked about this, Zach Kolaris, I he is doing things when he rolls out and ever says he rolls always to the right. Well, he made a couple of nice plays rolling to the left. And he's throwing against the grain, throwing against his body. And, of course, you saw Dalton showing with his ninth 
touchdown, tying uh, him with uh, uh, the guy in BC. How many times? So I mean, he's put. He basically, if he keeps playing like this, he's one. T- what did somebody said? He's one touchdown away from tying the record. It was set in 1961 for a rookie by the Bombers. Somebody in 1961 did it. So I mean, that's a huge accomplishment for a young guy. Usually, you don't kind of see this kind of production. But and we've said this too when it comes to Dalton Sean, uh, Doctor Sean, watch him because he's gone. He won't be here. He's getting an you know he's getting an offer. Reminds you of of Brandon Zilstra, right? Yeah. One two years in the league and and then getting his opportunity or like that being a receiver example, DeAndre Alford. Not only did he get his NFL shot, he's not on a practice roster like a lot of other guys, like Jonathan Congo and Drew Desjardins and Chris Streveler. He made the 53-man roster in Atlanta. He's going to be dressing on Sunday uh, with the Atlanta Falcons, uh, which which is awesome. But when it comes to Dalton Schoen, when's the last time – like I understand a rookie record. That would be great. But when's the last time a rookie led the league in any category? Can you imagine leading the no. league in touchdowns? We have to remember Dominique Rimes put up a lot of those TDs in those four and five touchdown games yep. off the arm of Nathan Rourke. Rourke no longer a factor in BC. Uh, Vernon Adams Jr. will dress for the Montreal Alouettes uh, this week, uh, home to the, uh, or pardon me, uh, uh, in Montreal against the Alouettes. Uh, so it'll be interesting to, to see how much quarterback uh, action he gets. Um with um oh gosh escaping me now um <laughs> the uh what? the uh what are you, what are you talking who, who are you talking oh, to B- bc's quarterback uh yeah, pipkin they, sorry yeah, so two, antonio pipkin yeah so two former alouettes thank you uh will be facing off against the bc lions uh, or will be facing off against their former team now with the bc lions sorry you know glad everybody got that clear as mud um but for, for Dalton Schoen, uh, you know, the, the opportunity is here for him, Chris. Yeah. Uh, but what stood out to me, you know, you, you talked about Kolaris before you, you went to Schoen. Do you remember when Matt Nichols was quarterback of this Winnipeg Blue Bombers team and the Bombers would win by two and he'd yeah. go 15 to 24 for 215 yards, two touchdowns, didn't turn the ball over as he often uh, avoided. And everyone's like, ah, oh, you know. Can you imagine how good the Bombers would be if they had a lights-out quarterback? Well, that, what I just read, was Zach Kolaris' stat line from the Labor Day Classic. Yeah. 15-24, two touchdowns, 214 yards. He was only 63%. He was above 80 in the first half. We saw both defenses lock things down in the second half. From that defensive second half, Chris, especially the way Winnipeg played, um, what kind of banjo bowl rematch do you expect to see between these two teams that know each other? Well, you know, and if you, if you go to the Saskatchewan website and you listen to Craig Dickinson, uh, you know, he said, there's no way in the world we are going to blow Winnipeg out. of. We are going to have a, to play a perfect game, a disciplined game to even have a chance against this team. Obviously when you think about the crowd, you know, we're talking of a sellout and anybody who's been at the IG field, even when it's not a complete sellout, it's so loud in there. And uh, you know what? They the bombers I thought did a fantastic job of coping with the noise in in uh, Regina. But I gotta say right now, I think they're gonna have an issue coming here. They've got some changes Saskatchewan does on their O line again. They've had some injuries, uh, but 
Yeah, it's it's always tough for a team to go into an opposing uh, a field and play with the loudness that they're going to have to deal with. So um, I'm expecting a good game, but I I don't have to, you know, when I when they went to Saskatchewan, I had a, a little bit of a gist in my mind saying that, you know what, I think the Bombers could lose this game. I don't think the Bombers can lose this game tomorrow. I just don't think that's going to happen. Wow. I mean, okay. you look at the guys they got back, and there's a key right there with, uh, you know, Janarian Grant is playing now. He's back in. That's a huge thing. I mean, he's got a touchdown on punt returns. He's got a touchdown on kickoff returns. He's just um, explosive, he's, right? Like, he's well, just an explosive player to have in the lineup. Yeah, and it's great to have him back. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, they got some new guys in. Obviously, they got a Cooper kid coming in, Dejon Cooper coming in, a defensive end out of South Dakota. He's and this is the thing, when it comes to Cooper, I want to mention this. Last week at practice, I was watching Cooper go one-on-one with Michael Couture. They tried to get Couture a little bit more up to speed. Couture yeah. still not in the lineup for the Bombers this week uh, on the one game, so he's officially off the six, very close to a return from that broken arm. But watching Cooper go one-on-one with Michael Couture, a, a, you know, a, big, a big boy up front, um, was interesting because Cooper is not built like a defensive end. He can play defensive end, but much more of an athletic player. When I when I see him wearing number 22, 6'3", 224, he's kind of a, like a, a tall Kyrie Wilson. Yeah. Um, I, I think this guy could be a weak side linebacker. I think he could even play the dime. He's going to line up at defensive end this week, and, and we'll see how much action he gets there, or if they're in a pinch, maybe somewhere else. And I agree with that. I think that's what you want to do. He's a new guy. That's the thing, right? He's getting an opportunity. Uh, obviously, the fact that they lost Theodric uh, Hansen was a huge blow for them with the Achilles. I mean, out for the year. Uh, you you know, know he, that? He, he, well, yeah, he, I think he's he's done. If he he's not going to come back from his Achilles, but it's well, tough. It's I, tough. I, look, I'm I'm not an expert. I suffered an Achilles injury. It was just starting to detach from the heel, and then I was able to come back in in three or four weeks for our final game of the season. So we do not know. There is no definitive. That's when you were in that that bowling league, right? No, I was playing for the same team you did, Chris, the St. James Rods, Winnipeg Rods. (laughs) We weren't called the St. James Rods when I played. the Winnipeg Rods. We were the Winnipeg Rods with the fist, yeah, the red fist, yeah. But anyway, yeah, yeah, well, uh, you know what? If he comes back, God bless him. I mean, that would be fantastic. I mean, he's such an impact player, not only as the line when he comes in, but special teams. Uh, he's a big leader on special teams. I mean, he had, I think he had nine or 10 special team tackles. Yeah. He was right up there with Mike Miller and all these guys. So, and you know, what's interesting. I was looking at that stat, speaking of special team tackles, Nick Hallett, who's got 43 tackles, and has done a really good job at safety. I got him credit. He's also got 10 special team tackles. Like, mm-hmm. he's right up there. I mean, he's really a well-rounded football player. I see yeah. they got his brother dressed. Noah's back. So it'll be interesting to see how the brothers play. But, yeah, I'm, I'm being very impressed with Nick. And I know that you posted something uh, during the week that, um, uh, you know, Brandon Alexander is practicing more and more. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they slide him into the lineup. They're not in a rush with an 11-1 record, probably 12-1 tomorrow. I don't know if they need to push him in. Uh, other than to get him back to game speed, that would be the only reason I'd put him in. And he'd have to be healthy. Uh, but having said that, the guys that have uh, come in there, whether it be Malcolm Thompson or Nick Hallett, have really filled the uh, the role admirably. No, no question they have, uh, down to their third stringer at safety. And here's the thing. Fans are pining for B.A. 
not because of a glaring weakness or anything to that uh, effect in the Blue Bombers secondary, but just because of, uh, you know, how f- much of a fan favorite Brandon Alexander is to see him get injured in the Grey Cup, uh, yeah. hobbling around for the, um, you know, the celebrations afterwards, still limping preseason, uh, being involved in practice, in the games, on the sidelines, effectively coaching. You know, he's yeah. locked in. Sometimes you see those guys that are injured on the sidelines and they're a little bit, I won't say aloof, but, you know, like they're looking up at the crowd and they're laughing with their buddies. Brandon Alexander is locked the blank in. Like he yeah. is laser focused on the work and his teammates and and coaching the game. Uh, it says a lot about the type of guy he is. It says a lot about the football mind and IQ that he has in understanding yeah. the game. If the Blue Bombers are willing to trust him to be a coach. And, um, you know, I think that's a huge reason why uh, Malcolm Thompson, as a effectively a rookie, he only had two CFL games under his belt coming to Winnipeg this year, two with the Ticats late in 2021. Right. He filled in excellently. Nick Hallett has played well there as well. Um, you know, rookies uh, in Jamal Parker and, um, you know, a, a lot of guys in there, you know, uh, Donald Rutledge Jr., that's a spot Brandon Alexander has played in the past. Having that guy who has been there and and part of the team as a player to coach and mentor, I think, is an invaluable asset for Winnipeg. Well, I think the biggest thing about B.A. that I liked, uh, Brandon Alexander, uh, it, it was his physicality. I mean, not only the fact that he's intelligent, understands, and, you know, you're basically a signal caller at safety. You've got to, you know, yell out, you know, what you're going to do. Is it man? Is it zone? Are you going to double up? Are you going to go over under on a guy? Uh, but Brandon Alexander brought that physicality and that physical aspect. I told you he reminded me a lot of Benny Thompson, uh, one of the toughest safeties I've ever seen play in this game, who went down and had a great career in the NFL. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that's the one thing that he that uh, Nick maybe is not as physical, and I don't think Malcolm Thompson was as physical. But I'll say this: uh, I've been very impressed with Nick Hallett. I think the way he's played, he's uh, they haven't missed a beat. I mean, obviously they're getting great pressure up front. That's the great thing about having dbs if you if you have good pressure it can help the, the secondary right you don't want to have a guy have to cover for five six seven seconds because that you know that that's going to open up something for the quarterback to throw or get a receiver open but uh you know i thought willie jefferson he had a sack last week but he was all around the uh the quarterback he was in cody's uh, face mask all the time in his grill if you want to call it that jackson jeff Court, i thought had another game where he made his presence known as well they just got great players. I mean, I, I see Adam Big Hill is listed as questionable again, but he's in the lineup, so they're just basically resting him. And he, you know, you, I think you'd have to shoot him with a tranquilizer to get him out of the game. I really believe that. I, th- I think that uh, Adam Big Hill is a guy that won't come out unless, you know, something seriously happens to him. Chris, Lynn Reimer, who's uh, watching live on YouTube. Yeah, Welcome back, Lynn. Good to have you as always. Uh, Lynn wants to know about Donald Rutledge Jr. and the sneakily quiet, awesome season he is having. So Great often season. overlooked as a rookie on this Blue Bombers team because of just the outstanding play uh, of, of, of other other first-year guys. Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that because we just talked about a rookie a candidate in, you know, in uh, Dalton Schoen. And then I look on the other side and Donald uh, Rutledge Jr. leaves the team and tackles with 49. He's got two sacks. He's got an interception. He's got a fumble recovery, a forced fumble. Uh, he's really made a lot of plays. Uh, he, this is a, a very good football player who's playing that dimer, uh, wide side or short side linebacker. I, I just think he's a, 
he's having an all-star season. And I agree with her. Lynn's right. I mean, it is weird when you hear about this because he really doesn't get a lot of the attention. I mean, there's that we notice that we notice him, but he's not in the press. He's not, you know, he just goes about his job and does it well. And, <clears> you, <throat> know, I, I, you think if, you know, you know, the coaches are, are talking about how good he is, but they don't bring him up unless somebody brings him up to the coaches. But uh, you got to look at him and thinking he's having an all-star type season right now. Uh, just the things that he's doing coming in, as you say, as a rookie going to that, uh, you know, strong side linebacker or nickel position as you or dime, you like to call it the dime. Uh, I just think that, uh, yeah, he's, that's a great question. I think he's had a heck of a year, uh, great find by the bomber organization, this kid. Well, like if, if Dalton shown was a non-factor, we'd be having the conversation about, yes. um, uh, Frankie Hickson, Titus Wall, the dimebacker for the Calgary Stampeders, and Donald Rutledge Jr. as, you know, the guys in the mix for most outstanding rookie in 2022. Um, a player that is often guarding uh, or, or guarded by Donald Rutledge Jr. in practice, who is really, really showing, uh, well, really what he's always shown, but maybe to a higher degree this season, Chris. Uh, I've exactly. been singing the praises of Nick Dembski all oh, year long because oh. with no longer Andrew Harris here, I think it's a good opportunity, not for Nick, because Nick is clearly seized that opportunity and has elevated his game every season uh, yeah. in the CFL. Big but he, is, he is now the guy who deservedly so gets the attention of maybe being Winnipeg's best Canadian player and yeah. that homegrown talent that everybody should be celebrating uh, as a guy, University of Manitoba, Oak Park High School, uh, and now doing it in the Canadian Football League. If you watched that 50-yard uh, touchdown catch that he got, and he was covered by one of the great cover men, Derek McCreef, the linebacker for Saskatchewan, yeah, tight coverage and fingertip control just to the ball in the air, we always say that Nick seems to have great games, not only against other teams, but he seems to always shine by the team that drafted him when he plays Saskatchewan. He always comes up with big plays. Uh, you know, obviously last week, I mean, uh, Nick had five for 79. He had a touchdown, the 50-yarder we just talked about. Uh, he's the go-to guy down the field. He always seems to break open. And uh, you got to give that credit to, for, for Nick for the great catch. But, again, Zach would have beautifully thrown football where only Nick could get it. Uh, you know, I know that I was watching. I think you guys are involved. I'm not involved in the voting, but I think that uh, the sports. Um, uh, who's John Hodge work for? Three Down Three Nation. Down? Three Down. Yeah, yeah he, they had a kind of a thing where they said who they voted early for the MVPs, and right now they're saying that they think the offensive guy is Zach. And I think this would have been a two horse race had Nathan Rourke stayed. Absolutely, um, he's still in the running for rookie. Oh, he's not a rookie, and most, is he? And most outstanding. No, not rookie. Not rookie. Yeah, he started a game in the CFL Maybe. last year. But most outstanding Canadian, you're right. Nah, yes. That's right. Yes. Because I I saw, and actually, he was the number one guy. And he's and he's missed about, what, three, four games, right? So, yeah. But he was, I, eight, I gotta, he was eight and one as a starter and throwing the lights out. You know? He was, How do you, he was one of the best things I see coming to this league in a long time. He was excited. To be, he got me tuned into BC. Because when yeah. BC was not doing well, I wouldn't even mm -hmm. watch the games. You know, I'd go back the next day and look at the film and I'd basically just check out the highlights. But some of the things that uh, Nathan, and I saw they're talking about his brother, who's at Ohio, I guess. He's, yeah. he's starting to light it up now too. So, I mean, 
it obviously runs in the family, but uh, yeah. I hope, I really do hope that, that, uh, you know, the Nathan Rourke can get back before the end of the year. There was an article on him. He was on the radio, but I didn't get a chance to listen to it where he talked about how he's recovering his speed. Right. If he's yeah. Yeah. So I, I, did you happen to look at that? I, I didn't, I couldn't get it cause I was running around doing some other stuff. I no, wanted I had to hear what the perspective was as far as when he thinks his timetable is, can he come back? Cause if he, I mean, if he, if he can come back, it's going to be huge. But now they picked up that guy you talked about. And I think this, I've, I was a big fan of Vernon Adams jr. Before. Yeah. I know, you know, he got really smacked in the face when he, when I think he went four plays and they pulled him and they put in, you know, uh, what's his name? Um, Trevor Harris. Trevor Harris. Thank you. So, I mean, he's he's got a fresh breath, and he's from the Washington area, so he's close to his yep. home again. Uh, yep. Good for him. Uh, and he's backed up. He's backing up in that game. So it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to watch how he does and how if he gets in and and what he contributes to that because I think he can really be a guy that can turn that and keep that franchise winning. Because of his, his, he has the ability to utilize his legs. He's downfield. He's seasoned. He's got a good arm. He's got great receivers. I mean, and their offensive line is playing very well. Well, that was the big question mark coming into the year. If there is a weakness, like I agree with Andrea, who's, who's watching on YouTube and, and says BC's still a good team. I absolutely agree. Um, but Calgary, I think, is a little bit rejuvenated with Jake Mayer taking over at quarterback. They've got way more offensive punch right now. Uh, Kadeem Carey in wow. the MOP discussion uh, this season. And Malik Henry, like, adding to Reggie Bagleton and, and a, a talented receiving core there. Uh, Calgary is good. Winnipeg is very good. Uh, that's that's kind of the the knock or the res reservation on saying, you know, how, how good are the BC lines? If they had Nathan Rourke, no question, they would be in the mix. But oh, with yeah. Vernon Adams Jr., still in the mix. He, too, but. well, hang on, hang on. C can Vernon Adams Jr. do enough in BC that if if Nathan Rourke can come back for the playoffs, be a huge shot in the arm, not just for his ability on the field and for the offense and the rest, but for team morale? Like, think of that energetic boost that BC Lions would get going into the postseason. I think they'd be world beaters. Well, the reason I like the trade they made, I mean, for a first-round pick to Montreal to get Vernon Adams Jr., is because if something shuts down, listen, I like Michael O'Connor and the other quarterback. He's a big six-foot-five tar, you know, guy that can throw the football, very smart, yeah. very intelligent, yeah. heck, right winner. Uh, you know, he played in the States. But the fact is, he does not have the mobility of a Nathan Rourke. He does not have the mobility of a Vernon Adams Jr., those guys have the escapability to extend the play and make something happen with their legs. So that's the thing I think is really exciting for BC. And that's why they went after him. Head coach Rick Campbell said, you know what? We need to get something going here. No knock on Antonio Pipkin. Uh, Pipkin is going to get an opportunity here. And, you know, this is how quarterbacks get to try. I watched Pipkin play in Montreal. He was in Toronto, I believe, as well. But you know what's funny? And I'm going to – my pinball is going right now because you said something that made me uh, – uh, really, and that was when you talked about Calgary and, and Jake Mayer. And I'm a big Jake Mayer fan, get me wrong. Yeah, me too. But it's funny how you got a guy that's been there. He's won two outstanding players awards. He's won great cups. And they almost like they're talking about, they, you know, he's probably going to end up in Hamilton or something next year. Are you kidding me? I mean, it's just, it's. I mean, that's a, that is the CFL. That's football. Penthouse to the outhouse. 
I mean, it just, it's, it's what have you done for me lately? It's just well, crazy. Think of your day playing in the CFL, Chris. How many teams yeah. did Matt Dunnigan play for? How many teams did Damon Allen play for? Yeah. How many well, teams did Doug Flutie DC, play for? Toronto. Right? Hamilton. Like all those guys are at least three teams. You know, Dunnigan, uh, Damon Allen, they played for four or five teams. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. But we paid a lot of money to get Dunnigan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. at that time, he was the first guy that got a million bucks, right? Yeah. And then Doug Flutie wasn't far behind with Toronto, right? Uh, Doug Flutie's a special quarterback, though, too. I mean, yes, that guy was, sure. you know, and that's why I love when he went down to Buffalo. And I still get mad when they pulled him and they put the backup in. And they uh, could have won that oh, football Johnson. game. Yeah, they just and they just thought, and that was the coaching mentality again, saying Doug Flutie is too small, he's too short. Yet he's a winner. Everywhere he goes, he wins. I mean, yeah. But anyway, yeah. So th that's what I like about Zach too. Zach is not the tallest guy. He's not the most physical guy. He's only ran with the ball like six times for forty nine yards. But his escapability, the fact that he gets out of trouble, the fact that he's always looking downfield, and his receivers are on sync with him. I yep. mean, the fact that you watch Dalton showing, I mean, that guy, he's leading the league again. We talk about this every week, 25 second down conversions. And then, of course, you got the other guy who's finally getting some good pump and drew the guitar man, Walatarski. Yes, huge. He playing, he's playing, he's played a huge part. I mean, it's, he's got, I think, uh, 14 or 15 second down conversions. They're really getting some great production out of these guys. And, it sure helps your quarterback when he's got a scramble that the, that the receivers understand and they know where they're going to go and they come back to the football and make plays. Well, uh, you, you speak of production. To bring it back to the Banjo Bowl in this rematch between the Bombers and the Riders, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders offense got a lot of production in the Labor Day Classic. Cody Fajardo, like people in Sask saying, what a great game for him, 72%, nearly 300 yards passing. But yeah. no touchdowns and one interception. Uh, found his receivers. You know, Shaq Evans, five catches for 88. Swerve, the man they call Swerve, Kieran Moore, seven for 58. Uh, Mitch Picton had that big 47-yard grab. Uh, Kean Schaefer-Baker had uh, four catches. But they were maybe highlighted the most by Frankie Hickson. 15 carries for 85 yards, averaging nearly six yards a carry. Uh, three runs of 10 or more. What a difficult little pinball bowling ball to take yeah. down. He can like, did you see the smack he laid on yep. uh, Shane Gauthier? Like, holy cow. Yeah, he's, he's a tough runner. Him. And that's why the fans in Saskatchewan were going nuts because they're saying, why did Jason Moss only run Hicks in five times in the second half? When you're getting that kind of production offensively, you, and you and it yeah. just disappears. I think he's got to wake up. Uh, Jason Moss, heck of a quarterback. He's had some great years, but as an offense coordinator. But for me, I when you go away from something that's working, you know, it just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I I know the whole talk this week in Saskatchewan is the fact that uh, you know uh, Garrett Marino's gone, uh, yeah. and the players, I guess, had a real stink about it because uh, they loved him in the locker room. And I guess they were all, I, I listened to Craig Dickinson, uh, the head coach of Saskatchewan. And he said the first day of practice was just down. The players were grumpy. They're just, you know, and he said the second day they were better. They're upbeat because he understand he's no longer here. Now we have to move on. We can't have this. If you want to, I mean, Saskatchewan, we talked about this. The most penalized team in the league, undisciplined, 
Uh, you know, they're over 1,000, almost 1,100 yards. The Bombers are the least penalized team. I went and broke it down even further, which, you know, that's the kind of guy I am. Uh, but they work. Saskatchewan, eight objectionable conduct penalties. And the reason I went to look at that was because of Duke Williams. What an idiotic penalty he took on the sideline, getting into somebody not even dressed that cost them big time. Moved him out of field goal range, and they had to punt the football. I mean, it was stupid. But they had they have eight objectionable conduct penalties. Winnipeg has one. The other thing I found interesting is Saskatchewan have 20 holding penalties on offense. 20 holding. The Bombers, 10. You just can't win football games. Well, they're not a talented offensive play. line. So they're grasping. No, they're not. Life, no, they're not. But yeah. they didn't. What? They gave up, what, three sacks last week? Or one sack. I think maybe it was one sack. I can't remember yeah, how many gave up. It was a ton week. of pressure, right? Like Fajardo yes. was running and running. Yeah, and I remember uh, I think O'Shea said that uh, sometimes they they that people and they used to do that. They were a stat guy that used to do and count pressures, and it was crazy because I, I remember the uh, guy that Stephen Richardson, who was a big horse in the middle, mm-hmm. stovepipe as you like to call him. Did I? Uh, no. I think you did call him stovepipe. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, you didn't? Okay, well, somebody did. Anyway, he was like one of the leaders in pressures, mm-hmm. playing that nose t- uh, nose tackle that over the center. So, I mean, uh, yeah, they're getting great pressure, and I, I would love to see them uh, look at the pressures again because uh, when I look at what, what uh, Willie does, and Willie got a sack, and we know that. Willie's always going to be around the football. He's number two in the league, which still amazes me, and past knockdowns with nine. Um, he's ahead of Dietrich Nichols, who's a DB, you mm-hmm. know, and that's, he's got seven. So, I mean, well, nobody's thrown, nobody's thrown at Dietrich. No, nobody's that's true. No, well, yeah, one I agree two, with that. One or two, he, he honestly, honestly gets like one or two, maybe three targets a game. Think about that. Like well, he what, just doesn't get thrown at. Yeah, I know. I, I think he's I sure had hope, a, I sure hope he, he gets the all-star vote love. I sure hope he does. Well, you, got, you, are on that, you're on the committee that gets to vote for that. I don't. They, well, I'm just I one vote know. though. You know, we got I'm five a, voters here for my scientific knowledge. Yeah, no, five but, voters in each city, right? So, like, is Dietrich Nichols going to get the the respect from the rest of the Western Division when it comes to the league? Uh, you know, if he's able to come through the West, will he get the love from the Eastern Division? Did he get? Um, do you know? Do you remember? I'm not, and of course, this is off the top of my head right now. Do you know if he got the Player Association uh, All Star nod? Nichols, I think he did. Yeah. Okay, without well that to me would be an indication that the players are recognizing how good he is. Look it up right now. How about uh, J- what? Do you, what do you see from this JT Hassel guy? Oh the man, brand new, brand new. Right out, right out of Florida. Too much about him. Yeah, but right into it, right? Yeah, yeah. that's why I'm surprised they put him in there. I mean, obviously they like him. He's a he's not a big guy. He's only five ten, but he must have great speed. I don't know if he's a returner. I didn't look up his bio. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they had Evan Holm returning, a UND kid. Uh, but I just noticed they have uh, him. You know, they dressed a couple of guys. Obviously, Dejon Cooper getting an opportunity because of the injury to. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Theodric Hansen. But then so I saw the, this JT Hassel. Does it say what he was or what? Sorry sort to of interrupt. Uh, looking up the uh, 2021 CFLPA All Stars, the halfbacks were Siante Evans and Cariel Brooks, both of Hamilton. Uh, DeAndre Alford, Jonathan Moxie uh, at corner, Brandon Alexander at safety. So he didn't no, get it. Okay. Didn't get it. Uh, but I mean, Cariel Brooks and Siante Evans and Hamilton, like they were excellent. You know, well, Hamilton had a whole different team last year too, right? 
uh, they were playing lights out. Uh, Mazzoli was there, and they have you know they had that combination of Dane Evans and him. And Dane Evans, uh, not to you know, he, he's got to pick it up, man. Uh, if he doesn't start playing like I think he's capable of, I don't. I think Dane Evans is gonna not be a happy camper at the end of this year. And I mean that as far as uh, he may not be in Hamilton. Uh, he's well, not, he's coughed up the ball way too many times, and he's no, and, and in the fourth quarter, right? Crucial like, and crucial interceptions. Like they're right the they're they're talking about the sky falling in Hamilton right now, and the calling oh, yeah. shows, and and the blogs, and and the fan forums, and the rest. But um, it's you know the, the Bombers have had to levy. Uh, their defensive backfield uh, a lot this year with new safeties, new halfbacks, new corners, uh, and then obviously losing Mercy Maston for a second straight training camp um, and, and having to play somebody new there. Uh, you know, last year, Mercy Maston got injured in camp. And then um, uh, who was it? Uh, uh, Johnson got hurt in the first game. And I think he broke his jaw and never played again. So uh these new guys having to come in all the time, uh, it's a good thing they find a DeAndre Alford or a Demario Houston. Houston, of course, now uh, on the sixth game. But uh, Jamal Parker, uh, some people have been critical of him. I give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because I know Winnipeg plays a softer style yeah. defense system, right? They sit back. They want everything in front of them. They'll give up those eight-yard passes. They don't want to give up the 80-yard passes, um, and, and those big explosion plays that Richie all hates so much. Yeah. Well, they have given up, they give up 19 passes, uh, over 30 plus yards. So, I mean, they've given up big plays, uh, but maybe that's why you say they play a little soft. They're trying to keep everything in front of them because they don't want to give it up to you. So that kind of echoes your point there. Um, yeah, you know what, but to also to your point, I mean, these guys have filled in perfectly. I mean, you think about Jamal Parker, you think about Nick Hallett, uh, you know, and you look at the way the start that Winston Rose had. Remember the first couple of games? Uh, he had uh, hurt his foot and he came back and he just had a really struggled first two games up. Uh, you know, they were going at, they were just going after number 30. Yeah. Well, he's really tightened his game up. I mean, he's playing like the Winston Rose we know he can be. So uh, it's it's going to be a very interesting game because you look at, uh, you know, Braden uh, Linea, Selenius, the guy they've got, they bought him back. I mean, he only had two catches for 34 last week in Saskatchewan. They really wanted first game back. Yeah, they wanted to be more of a factor. Justin McInnes is in. The guy that I think is going to really—I uh, told you this last week—the guy that I really like is Keon Schaefer Baker. Agreed. I really oh, he, like him. Great player. He, he is a game breaker, uh, playing very, very well. Uh, you know, and again, if you look at what they have, Kyron Moore, Shaq Evans, Tevin Jones. They've got some talent. They really do. Nixon, man. Like I, I mentioned him earlier, but man, like I was blown away at how good he is. Told uh, you that Jamal, last week. We did the pregame or the podcast for the first game. I said, this yeah. guy, he's a stud. Uh, and that's why I was surprised. Like I said, when I read the article and all the people in Saskatchewan going, what is Jason Moss thinking? I mean, he's got a great first half. And then the second half, you give him the ball five times. And you're in a tight game. I mean, what was it? Uh, 17, 17 in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, come on, boys. You know, if you're Saskatchewan, I'd be upset too. I'd be like, man, wake up. Do, do you think it was maybe like a a tendency breaker Jason Moss was trying to, to employ well, there? Yeah, maybe. Well, why? Why are you trying to outsmart yourself? To me, if, I, if, I, if I'm running the football and I got a, my old line is responding, opening holes, and Hickson hits that hole, man. He's north-south. Boom. 
And as you say, very physical. Uh, you know, uh, he'll put his shoulder through right, right through you. But having said that, then you get a guy and then you start living off the pass again. Like they even said, why did they have to throw the ball at the end of the game? You know, they could have just ran the ball. And, you know, they were getting great production. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think it was second or something, a short, and they threw the ball. And that was where the interception took place. I mean, it was just uh, bad luck for them. I mean, I love the picture they show of uh, Cody Fajardo because it seems like every time we see him, whether it be the West final years ago or then, or the, I know. You know, he's laying down on the ground, punching the ground. So defeated can they win tomorrow. I guess they could. Do I think they're going to win? I'm talking with Saskatchewan. No, I don't think so. Well, I you can, our, I think our crowd is really going to be a factor. You can see the lines uh, via sports interaction in the ticker below Montreal, three point dogs, Ottawa point and a half dogs to Toronto, uh, Winnipeg, seven and a half point favorites, Calgary, yeah. nine and a half point favorites. Uh, there's definitely value there. Uh, if you want to put a sprinkle on the game, of course you want sprinkle. to go to our exclusive link. Yeah. Just a little, just a little sprinkle, not a Jesus sprinkle. Sprinkles of Jesus, but to just a little, a little touch, a little taste. You go to sia.com slash bonfire, sign up. You can bet CFL, NFL, NHL, NBA, Major League Baseball, like you name it. You can find it on Sports Interaction, a Canadian casino. You keep the money in our Canadian economy here, um, and you get a nice bonus, 100% up to $500. I think I'm allowed to say that um, on sia.com slash bonfire. I put a little touch on a, a couple teams to win the Grey Cup because I really do think it'll come down to one or two teams. Chris, like the way it looks right now, I, I'm not confident in any team in the East. I'm confident in two teams in the West, unless Nathan Rourke comes back, then it might be a three-horse race. But you can literally hedge your bets and say either Calgary or Winnipeg's going to win the Grey Cup, and you're going to come away uh, with pretty good odds and, and pretty good cash back uh, on uh, a win by one of those teams. I think Calgary is definitely a team to to uh, reckon with, with Jake Mayer at quarterback. Yeah, and I, and I agree with you there, but I'm also thinking there's going to be a great possibility of a crossover and that it may be a West West versus West Grey Cup. I didn't see much of that today when I was looking at the odds. But having said that, I mean, Saskatchewan, if they end up they and they have a better record, uh, again, we'll have to see what Ottawa does. Ottawa's like, do you really think Saskatchewan is, is going to be a, a team that can get to the Grey Cup? I don't see it. I don't see it. I, 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 I don't know if they can either. But having said that, I don't know. I'm, just, I'm not hanging my, uh, I'm not hanging them out. I'm not saying nothing. And you said BC. I think BC still got a great opportunity. I think, and again, I'm saying that because I think they picked up good guys. And if, and if, if, v, if and I'm saying if Vernon Adams, VA as they like to call him, if he can respond to that offense and he's only had a, a one week of practice. Mm -hmm. um, I think they can be a very dangerous team again, but I still like Saskatchewan. I like Saskatchewan for the personnel. If they can get their discipline back in order and or their lack of discipline back in order, uh, I think they could be a very good team. I know that Charleston Hughes is going to play a little bit more uh, tomorrow than he did last week. They still got Anthony Lanier who has seven sacks. He's out with a head injury still. But Phil I mean, Robertson, AC Leonard, like they got a, you know, Demarcus Christmas. Yeah. They have a very, very talented defensive line. You pepper in Charleston Hughes. Uh, you know, Winnipeg's done Winnipeg, I felt, did a very, very good job against Saskatchewan's defensive front in the Labor Day Classic. Uh, credit 
also just as much, if not more, to Zach Kolaris. He made things work with his legs, shifting yeah. the pocket, changing his uh, you know point of delivery, uh, extending plays as he did. You, you mentioned the the shot cards uh, to Nick Dembski for the touch. How great that pass was! Yes. How great catch was! But the rollout to the right and finding no. Dalton shown toe tips on the right side of the great. end. Zone, yes. What yeah. a dime! What a perfectly thrown football by Zach Kolaris. He reminded me of the guy that was uh, that made that great catch yesterday for the uh, L.A. Rams, uh, cop. Yeah, and he cop. dragged both. He, he had to get both feet in, and just a great catch. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm I, first off in the NFL about that game. I'm a Buffalo fan, so I love the Buffalo. They look good. Josh Allen looks good, man. They, and then you see what's his name, the um, Vaughn, the pass rusher. Mm-hmm. He still got it, man. He just gets after him. So I mean, that's my that's my one talk about NFL. But yeah. I think they have a great chance. It's funny when you got a new guy coming in. So uh, this is the last thing I want to talk about. But now that Marino's gone, they put Miles Brown in. Uh, Miles Brown's first year guy out of Watford, 6'3", 320. A cannonball in the middle. Demarcus Chris is 6'2", 305. These are big boys. And uh, that's they're there to stop the run. I mean, if you look at the last week, as much as Brady has played very, very well, uh, he only had, what did Brady have last week? I think he had 12 for 38, 12 carries for 38 yards. The Saskatchewan did a pretty good job of taking away the run. Yeah. Uh, he averaged, I think, 3.2. That's right. I had, he had a long of five yards. Uh, so, I mean, yeah. They it's, kept uh, pounding it, right? Can, can you speak to that, Chris? Like Buck Pierce, Buck Pierce's offense. They will, like, if they're getting three yards a carry, it's not what they want. But if they're getting three yards a carry, they continue to just pound it, pound it, pound it. What is the advantage to that when you're running the type of offense Buck Pierce does? Well, they throw a lot of different things. And you'll see that, you know, the slot back sweep, you see reverses. Um, you saw, I, I, for me, I, I just like the way he's running things. I mean, when you take a look at the Bombers right now, they're number one in second down conversions. They, they keep the ball. They just keep the football. And conversely, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are the worst. They give up the most on second down. So, I mean, to me, it plays into each other, right? So it'll be very interesting to see if Jason Shivers, the defensive coordinator for Saskatchewan, changes up anything from the game because they're going to watch. And I guarantee they're going to say, we have got to keep this. Okay, so this is what I'm thinking is going to happen. I think Brady Oliver is going to have a, a great game because I think that uh, the defense coordinator for Saskatchewan is going to start saying, guys, A.C. Leonard, Pete Robertson, you guys, I want you outside. I want you keeping Zach in the pocket. We've got to limit his escapability and the fact that he's making extending plays. So that will open up the run game, I, I really believe. So Brady could have a big game tomorrow. Uh Comet is asking who's the rookie offensive tackle starter for the Riders. His name is Cooper Richardson uh, out of Sacramento State. First year in the CFL, 6'5", 295. They did shuffle things around a little bit on the Saskatchewan uh, offensive line, Chris. Uh, Most notably, moving Josiah St. John to left guard. Uh, Logan Bandy, Evan Johnson uh, still uh, saying at uh, center and right guard, but uh, we we talked about him going into the Labor Day Classic, Chris. Taron Vaughn, still not in the lineup, even though so many people were expecting him to play last week. He's, you know, a little, little bit of a uh, little bit of uh, cloak and dagger from the Saskatchewan Roughriders there. But well, they, they interviewed they him again. They can get on that line. 
If you go on their website, they interviewed him, Taryn Vaughn, last week. Said he's feeling great. They interviewed him again this week. Feeling great. He's not playing. They're starting, as you say, a first guy out of Sacramento State, Cooper Richardson. Big guy. They really like his physicality. Big guy. I mean, uh, we'll see how what he does. Uh, they got Andrew Lauderdale on the left side. Josiah, and I think this is a good move for Saskatchewan. I don't think Josiah St. John is a good tackle. I, I don't think he should play tackle. I think he's more effective as a guard. So I think it's a better thing. I know they have to – nobody likes to shuffle their O-line because of chemistry and continuity and the ability to make calls and work together. If you look at the Bombers, one of the, one of the keys they've had over the years, except for this year a little bit with Couture, is they have continuity. They're all the same group. They're all veterans. They're always there. Yeah. Comment, no, not Terry Vaughn. Taryn Vaughn. Uh, Terry Vaughn, can you imagine if he came back? That would be a, a shot in the arm for any team. Um, uh, Tyler Fabry, good to see you back, my friend. Uh, longtime uh, watcher and listener here uh, on Bonfire Sports. Former University of Manitoba Bison offensive lineman. He's now coaching the Sturgeon Heights Huskies, which is a factory of producing CFL talent, Anthony Coombs, um, uh, Keenan LaFrance, so many others uh, coming out of that program. He says losing Dan Clark was the beginning of the end to the Saskatchewan season. Still no Brendan Labatt. Uh, still no. Brendan's not, not coming back. I mean, let's let no. that put that to bed already, for God's sakes. I, I've but heard that, that he's like lost 100 pounds, Brendan Labatt. I think I found him. Um, I, you know, I don't know, man. I, 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 but I agree one thing. Dan Clark was one of the toughest SOBs to play the game. I remember mm-hmm. he got into a car accident, almost died, and still came back and played. Right. I mean, it's crazy, the toughness of that kid. And you're right. He was a leader on that offensive line. Uh, that's a great point. Uh, and, you know, hopefully they've got you have, and that's, you have to have physicality. You have to have the meanness in there. Uh, I, I, that's why I think one of the things I really like about our offensive line, I like Patty Newfield. Patty Newfield, to me, is that kind of guy. He's downfield. He's knocking people over. Don't stand around a pile. He's going to knock you over. I like that kind of guy. I like a guy that, you know what, you play to the whistle, but you play within the rules. So, I mean, to me, uh, my hat's off to 53, uh, Patty. I think he does a great job. I know we talk a lot about Stanley and and Hardrick, but uh, for me, the toughest guy or the guy that I really like. And then you got Jeff Gray who's downfield a lot now too. So, But I like Patty. Patty's been doing it for years. So, Dark Moon wants yeah. to know where your hat – my hat's gone too. Yeah, yours got stolen though. Got stolen by my kid, yeah. <laughs> Mind you, that's a compliment to you because – that hat you gave me was a beautiful fitting hat, and it's got that uh, no sweat thing on it, so it was just fantastic. Special for you, yeah. Chris. Special for you because well, I haven't been able to track it. My kid loved it, and he actually took it back to Toronto, I think, so. Well, everybody hang tight. We we are going to uh, get some Bonfire Sports gear available to you. Uh, really trying to work on that, but uh, trying to get hockey in order uh, with the, the NHL season uh, just around the corner. But speaking of a season that is also underway, um, and – a player that reminds me a lot, speaking of NFL, Chris, uh, uh-huh. of Josh Allen, is Winnipeg Rifles quarterback Bryson McNeil. Big body, big arm, tucks the ball and runs with power, puts his shoulder into players while also being one of the leading passers in Canadian junior football, not just in the Prairie Football Conference. This is what you need to know. Following the Banjo Bowl, you're going to get up Sunday special kickoff time of 11 a.m. at Eastside Eagles Field. That's right next to Kildonan East Collegiate. Tickets are $15. Seniors are $10. 
under 18, bring your kids. They come in free. If you can't make it to the game, you can watch the broadcast. Some silly, goofy guy is doing the play-by-play -play, uh, with the incomparable Matt Rollison. Uh, CJFLTV.com. That's where you want to find it. More information, as you can see on your screen right now, riflesfootball.com. They are a big supporter of us here on Bonfire Sports. We're a big supporter of them and junior what football do they what do they across play? the country. So the Calgary Colts are in town. Oh, that's a uh, and big game. They're a big game. Yeah, the Colts two weeks ago were ranked 10th in the country. They're now wow. ranked 7th. Uh, Winnipeg just knocked off the number two ranked Saskatoon Hilltops. Oh, the yeah. first time they beat them in 16 years. Winnipeg is a legit team. They are coming for a championship. The Canada Bowl will be hosted in the Prairie Football Conference this year. So if Winnipeg can make it happen in the playoffs, as that team is expecting to do, the Canada Bowl will be right here in Winnipeg on their beautiful new, brand, brand new turf field. It's not even ready yet, but it will yeah. be ready for the playoffs at St. Fatale Mustangs Field, Maple Grove Park, St. Mary's Road in the perimeter. Uh, yeah. Everything is coming together for this Rifles football team at the right time. Dramatic game uh, previous to their bye this past week. Uh, at Eastside Eagles Field. They're back at it again, so you don't want to miss it. 11 a.m. on Sunday, September 11th. Colts in town, $15, 10 for seniors, free under 18, riflesfootball.com. These are the players of tomorrow. There are Winnipeg Rifles on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers roster right now. Mike Benson, been in the league for 10-plus years. Uh, you want to get out and, and support this. This is great football, affordable for the family. Uh, and if you can't get out to the game, gather your family together, throw the game on cjfltv.com. Are you uh, doing the game? I am. You're all right. And I just, and also should give a shout out. I thought that's a great convoy, Tyler. Again, the, the Bisons, uh, Manitoba Bisons are playing Alberta Golden Bears tonight. So okay. little, little shout out to university football as well. But uh, yeah, the rifles are a great sponsor for us. I might, you know, I'm going to the game, to the Bomber game tomorrow. It's the first game that I'll be at because I'm always at the lake. But yeah. Badger Bowl is special. I may just have to take in that Sunday game because I'm, I'm actually in close proximity to where that field is. So People were asking about you last game. People were asking. Yeah, you, know who popped in at, you know who popped in, actually? Pat Newfeld popped into the game last time. Did, so eh? there might be some more Bombers with it being a home game. Uh, on Saturday for the Bombers and the Banjo Bowl. There might be some more Bombers at, at Eastside Eagles Field. So uh, yeah. you got more information, riflesfootball.com, uh, and you can find them on social media uh, at Rifles Football. Um, I want to ask you about uh, Garrett Marino, Chris, and not so much about Saskatchewan's decision to cut him, not so much about Duke Williams and, and Craig Dickinson and the discipline and, and the culture inside that organization right now in a gray cup year to i want to know your opinion on um the comments or, or the uh press release media release put out by the canadian football league and commissioner randy ambrosi saying they have the ability to void any contract or uh, uh attempt to sign a contract Jesus. for any valid reason any reason deemed valid uh, we might never see Garrett Marino back in the CFL if, uh, if, if Randy Ambrosi has his way. Uh, do you agree with that? No. No, you don't take I Listen, the guy has to smarten up. There's no doubt about it. He takes stupid penalties. Yeah, no doubt about it. The hit on, on Jeremiah Mazzoli was unforgivable. I understand that. Uh, the hit he hit on Zach. 
you know, that was the one that I got everybody all fired up again. But I remember we had guys come in the league uh, with all kinds of different issues. We had uh, running backs that had issues. Uh, we had guys that played for the Ottawa Rough Riders way back when. Um, and uh, he would just, I can't remember who he played defensive end. And he was in a, with the Washington Redskins. He was with the Washington team, big defensive end, well known in the NFL. Uh, kind of played his way out of the NFL, came up to Ottawa. And he'd be tending to have a machine gun and shoot all the players. He was just, he wasn't all there. Let me just tell you right now. But we let these guys come up. Um, I, I just don't think you should take the man's livelihood. Uh, I know that a lot of players or a lot of people might disagree with me and say, well, he's a dirty player. I think he plays on the edge. Absolutely. Does he make, has he made some mistakes? Absolutely. Certainly. You know, I mean, if the, you know, obviously the Jeremiah one was the worst. They hit on uh, on the uh, backside of Zach Claris away from the play. Unnecessary, unbelievably stupid. Uh, and that was the basically the final straw that broke the back. I mean, that's the one, you know, you know, they asked Craig Dickinson, they said, that was it you that decided to release him or were you mandated by the league? Because some people feel like the league called Craig and said, you got to straighten this out before you hurt somebody. So another I, shot on a quarterback that was unnecessary, it. right? Well, they're all weird. If you read the comments too, somebody said, we have to protect our key players. Our quarterbacks are the, you know, the basically the face of the franchise. So we got to protect these guys. Do I think he'll be back? I don't know. I think teams are shying away, but I actually thought somebody would grab him. I thought Ottawa might grab him. Hamilton might grab him. Uh, if you get it, you know, they just, he's going to learn it. I mean, he's obviously learning his lesson. He's got no paycheck right now. Hey, Chris, uh, get, get this. I just got a text on the Bonfire Hotline, 816-TIPS, yeah. 204-816-8477. Patrick, Patrick in Mexico just texted me from like a five two plus 5-2 area code. He says, hey, guys, great show. Patrick in Mexico. Chris is talking about Dexter Manley. That's who it is, Dexter Manley. Right Thanks, on. Patrick. Appreciate that. That is 100%. Dexter Manley. He was crazy. He was crazy. But you know, we had him in there. He had a whole bunch of problems, and we had the running back, that, the running back that actually went to prison and played for Calgary. Uh, do you remember? Course, do you so remember a ago. huge fan favorite here in Winnipeg, the Thunder and Lightning with Charles Roberts? Yeah, Mike yeah. Sellers yeah. got kicked out of the NFL for a year or two for yeah. like narcotics. Like Mike Sellers was a horse. I played Mike Sellers when he was a defensive end with, as a rookie with, with Edmonton. He was a, he was a horse then. Uh, he went on to a great career. But then I love a comments called Angela Mosca. Yep. I mean, they said he tripped the guy on the sidelines during a game. I mean, they, you know, I mean, this has changed the the the, onset, the, uh, the outcome of the game. Head slapped so many guys. Back then, you could do whatever you want. You guy grab a guy with a face mask. You could smack a helmet. His well, the hands story you ever saw. The stories you've told me about the guys putting thumbtacks in their gloves and scratching. I got scratches all over my arms because they, yeah, because they said we were greasing up. So they put thumbtacks so they could grab your jersey. Well, they scratched the heck out of your arms. It was crazy back then. Now, are we going to allow that? No, we're not going to let that happen again. I mean, they take it away. The league has gone to be – it's a safety thing. Everything's about safety to players, which I have no problem with. But don't take away the physicality of the game. Smart physicality. I love the game. If it starts to come down where the quarterbacks can't even get touched, I will not be a fan of this game anymore. I mean, I, I, sorry, buddy. I mean, I, I love my quarterbacks too, and I know they're the key to getting us a win sometimes. But listen, I'm out there. I'm smashing my head every play. I'm getting beat. You know, I, I'm not going out there where a suntanning. You know what I mean? And so I, I think they should be the same thing. I think she should take some too. 
I mean, we take pride as an offensive lineman of not getting him dirty, which is great. But, I mean, sometimes you got to let the boy get hit once in a while just to get him in the game. No, I, I totally hear what you're saying, and, and I agree with you. Football is a violent sport. You can't, you know, put put one player or one position in globe uh, and, and have them operate outside of, of the, the physical violence. That is gridiron football. Uh, that said, I do feel they need to protect the quarterbacks in the Canadian football yes. league. The finishing the hits when it's unnecessary, what Garrett Marino, uh, not just what he did to um, Jeremy uh, yeah. Masoli, but also to what he did to Zach Kolaris. Like, there's some gray area there. I get that. But reputation is a big reason why the eyes are on him like they were. Um, when it comes to Marino potentially never playing in the CFL again, it is a little bit different, Chris, because like the USFL was around for a little while and it went away. And then there was XFL with Vince McMahon and it went away. And uh, the AAF and all these you know different leagues, the spring league, that sort of thing. We're entering a time now where the USFL is back and the XFL is back there are opportunities for these yeah. guys to play oh, yeah. oh, different yeah. places right it's not just the cfl um, i just yeah i just i just don't want a guy you know where they start i know that people are outraged right now and they've had enough and i mean obviously saskatchewan has released them and i mean that's the biggest thing but uh man i tell you what uh, i wish the kid i, I wish listen i don't like first of all, i was just gonna say this what he did to jeremiah was was horse crap uh that's not right. The fact that he didn't apologize to Jeremiah and made a racist comment was horse crap. Now he denies he made the comment, but whatever. The fact that he, you know, he's got he, he takes these stupid penalties that hurts his team. You know, this is not good. But having said that, football is a crazy game where reaction and your emotions are so high that sometimes you do things. I mean, I remember hitting a guy, but I remember I had guys spitting in my face mask on the, in, the, in the bottom of a pile. I want to kill him. I want to hurt him. But you got to be smart. Now pick your pick your poison. Pick your point. Pick your time. So do it yeah. between the whistles, right? Yeah. Anyway, well. that's enough about Garrett. I, uh, but I will say this: uh, my last comment on the quarterback stuff and and the hitting is, I I think that they can always protect the quarterbacks, but I think it's very tough. I like the fact that you're not allowed to hit the head. That's a great thing. Great thing. I find it very hard though if a guy's rushing in, and I remember uh, a play in particular. I think it was against Calgary where uh, Willie, Willie Jefferson was going after Jake Mayer and put his hands up and just came down, trying to knock the pass, just touched the head. And they called him, uh, you know, for uh, roughing the – come on. That you've got to let go. You got There's got to be some sense of, 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 of justness there. You can't do that. You, it, when, it, that's, that's getting ridiculous to me. Uh, I don't know. I just it, – it boils my blood right now because, uh, I mean, let the players play to as long as they're playing within the legal ramifications of the game. Don't start yeah. calling things you think. I mean, I you, know, you see quarterbacks take off for a run, they and they don't slide. Well, how is that defensive guy supposed to go if I got my shoulders two inches off the ground? How am I supposed to tackle him? They've they've changed that rule this year, right? Where the quarterback doing the hook slide can no longer fake it, right? Like, yeah. well, that's a good they've call. Seen that in college football because they haven't brought in a new rule yet, where the quarterback will run like fake slide and then cut. You know, because it looks like he's cutting down to the ground and then he uses that as leverage to kind of, you know, uh, jump cut um, yeah. and make guys miss. I, I think that's a little bit greasy and not inside the, um, you know, the the nature of the rule. Um, Chris, let's get into it. The Bombers, seven and a half point favorites at home 
for the yeah. 18th annual Banjo Bowl. Your keys to victory. Winnipeg taking a third straight Banjo Bowl over the Riders. They've only done that once before. What will it take to get a win in CFL Week 14 for the Bombers? Well, I think for offensively, for me, for Winnipeg, I think you got to stretch that defense. And I think what's going to happen, I really do believe this. I think Brady Oliveira is going to have a great game tomorrow. Whoever's running the football, but I think it'll be Brady. I think that the defensive coordinator for Saskatchewan is going to force those ends, whether it's Leonard Allen or Robertson or Hughes, to come from the outside, try and keep Zach in a pocket. That's going to spread out that defensive line. There should be openings there. Uh, for for uh, defense, man, just continue to do what you're doing. They're doing a great job of disguising their blitzes. Uh, listen, they gave up about 290 yards to, to Cody Fajardo. Uh, I thought he threw the ball extremely well, but you got to get in his face, get your hands up. You don't have to always sack him, but again, you know, pressure is a great thing. And you know what? I'd like to see a little bit more blitzing. Um, Adam Big Hill, I like when he plays tough, when he lines up on that line of scrimmage, either drops back or he comes. Make those offensive linemen make the calls. Is it solid? We have to slide and then see what they're doing because a lot of times just because of the call, you'll kind of figure out what they're going to run or pass. Uh, special teams we didn't even talk about, and I'm just going to end it on this. Mark Leggio, good for you, buddy. Mark Leggio, 55-yarder, brother. One for one over 50. You're, you know, I, we, I, put in a, I put on Twitter, I said, watch this young kid. He's going to rebound. He did. He's three for three in the last two games. He's kicking the hell out of the ball. He's punting the ball well. That's all I'm going to say about Mark Leggio, but good for you, young man. Well, I'll ask you one more on Mark Leggio. How about the swerve to avoid yes. the punt block? Like that could have added, it was like 17-7 at that point, I think. Yeah. Uh, that could have been a 24-7 lead for Saskatchewan in the first half. What what a huge play that was. It, it, it was very smart, very heads up, very heads up. To pull it down, not try and force it, uh, take a sidestep and then kick the ball. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm impressed with the young man. I'm just happy that people, you know, now they're back climbing on the cart again. You know, they went and got their ankles fixed, and now they're back. They're like, oh, Mark, we never really didn't like you. We just, uh, yeah. hey, make <laughs> up your mind, people. No, they've always been they've always been on Mark Leggio's side. I'll add uh, one simple key from my perspective, Chris. You do it. Bombers defense need to bracket Frankie Hickson. They need two yes. guys on him every single play because one man will not be able to take him down the majority of the time. If Winnipeg can make Saskatchewan one-dimensional offensively, I think they cruise to a victory tonight. Uh, or sorry, in, in the, the Banjo Bowl. Uh, head on over to SIA.com slash bonfire. Sign up. Put a sprinkle on the game. Uh, lots of bets there for NFL NHL, uh, all the sports and, and, and major uh, there as well. Props, futures, uh, game lines as, uh, as well as so much more. Uh, a Canadian casino, keep the, the cash here in the Canadian economy. Uh, that'll be good on you. And then, of course, I would be remiss if I didn't mention this one more time. The Winnipeg Rifles are on a heater. You want to head down to the game on Sunday, September 11th. 11 a.m. kick, a little bit of a special time compared to their normal 1 p.m.s uh, at Eastside Eagles Field next to Kildonan East Collegiate. Tickets are 15 $10 for seniors, free for the kids, anybody under 18. If you can't make it to the game, you can watch it live, cjfltv.com. Great broadcast. Uh, not so much the play-by-play, -play, 
but um, you know, with instant replay and multiple camera angles, you will get your money's worth uh, in watching one of the best Canadian junior football programs in the country today. Number seven ranked Calgary Colts in town. So uh, more information, riflesfootball.com. Going to be a fun one, Chris. Headed to Finn McCool's tonight. Uh, Zach, the Schnitz, and I are going to do a little bit of a, a live show if if the technology works out. But uh, big Prairie rivalry pregame bash going on uh, at Finn McCool's on Grant tonight. And I'll see you at the game on Saturday. I will see you, brother. I have to go now because my wife still has half an hour of work. And I want her to get in trouble. So no, I appreciate you doing it too. And I'll leave it with this. You know what, big J, uh, DB? I like your defensive tip better than mine. That's the big <laughs> one. Yeah, take Hickson out of the game. Good for you, buddy. Anyway, adios, my friends. I've got to go take the dog for a walk and see if i got any cold ones in the cooler. Enjoy your Banjo Bowl weekend, everybody. Bye.